news, everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? <laughs> but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in sports. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It's all in sports. Jake Seeley, your host. As always, I almost kind of like twisted up the intro because it's, if you've been listening for at least over the past year or so, then you've already heard one of these guests that I used to do a show with. That was Chris Meany. That was back in week one. Well, it was about time that we did the other part of the show, Brad Ziegler, who it's been way too damn long of not being able to talk football with this guy because if anything else, he, he Brad, this is what I appreciate about you so much. Similar to like PTI, I know that we can argue and hate each other during the show for the argument, but right after it's like, all right, let's go grab a drink. Like, it's yeah, just, that's that why I like show. doing shows. See you later. <laughs> yeah, see? This is why I like talking to you because we're not always going to agree, and then you don't back down, and I don't back down. And I like having that debate with people. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, I, I, you know, I get my opinions from watching the games, and, and you do too. And, and it's, it's like sometimes I feel like we're watching different games, and I, I don't even know what <laughs> channel you're watching because it doesn't make sense. But at the same time, obviously, you have a, a track record that, that uh, you know, that I, I am, you know, would still be chasing from a ranking standpoint. So um, <laughs> we, we have a lot of fun with it, and, and yeah, let's get going. Actually, speaking of watching games, real quick, are you watching the World Series? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't bear to see the Dodgers have any success. It's just it's, in, it's ingrained in my my uh, DNA now that after I played in Arizona for so long. I, I kind of felt that way. That's why I was like thinking you might be watching a little bit just to root for the Rays, but the the pain of watching last night. Now, if, you know, if the Rays get a three game lead and then they're up in like the seventh inning of of the next game, then yeah, I might flip it on at that point <laughs> just to watch the too. see the Dodgers somber faces as they close it out. But other than that, I, I probably won't watch it at all. Fair enough. All right. So for everybody out there that doesn't know, uh, Brad is also heavy into Dynasty League. So this first question is going to be twofold here because we got to talk about Tua, not just for this year, but for long term because Tua takes over during the bye, which if Brad, I, I'm assuming you at least agree with this part, is this sounds like it's their plan all along. If you have a three and three team with the way that Fitzpatrick's been playing and then said, nope, Tua is the story after the bye. Sounds like this was going to be the case unless he wasn't healthy. So a couple things here, Brad, is a lot of people are out there like, well, what's the hit like? And I push back and say, well, if they're planning this and this has been planned all along, I doubt they're doing this unless they feel the hip is 100%. So do you agree with that statement? And then we'll get to Dynasty in a second, but for this year only, what are your thoughts on Tua? Uh, I mean, for this year only, you, you got to be in a deep, you know, super flex type league to to even think about starting him, I think, at least until he's got three or four games under his belt. It's kind of like Justin Herbert, like you, you know, he, okay, he gets the job, you know, because of a unfortunate situation for Tyrod Taylor, but you're not just going to plug him in your lineup right away. At, now that you've seen it for a little bit. Yeah, maybe you can. And maybe Tua does that. I don't know. Like the Dolphins seem to have a really good vibe going. They're playing hard. And um, this is. I feel like, you know, everybody, all the offense loves Ryan Fitzpatrick. They play hard for him. And I'm not sure, even if this was the plan, I'm not sure I would have stuck with it at this point. I, I would at least let my team kind of fall out of some contention. Um, because right now they're, I mean, they're 500. They're a game back of the Bills. And, and they, 
you know, in a sense, kind of control their own destiny at this point. And to, to throw a guy in there, I, I'm afraid of the message that sends to my players. Um, at the same time, this is probably the best move for their franchise because you got to see what you have in him. And I think they're, they're trusting at this point that he's healthy. And so at that point, you know, we got to know, like we're, you know, and, and they have a chance to have him learn under Ryan Fitzpatrick, where Fitzpatrick's the starter and, and doing game prep and stuff. He can't give him the same kind of, uh, of, of coaching slash, okay, yeah. you know, mentorship that, that he could give him whenever he's the backup. And, and now I, I think this, it's a, a big time chance for, for Tua to learn a lot here in the last, you know, 10 games of the year. Yeah, so I'm with you on that starting him right out of the gate. I do think, and get your opinion here too, is I think he's a must-add because I said he's somewhere in between Minshew and Josh Allen for me. It's like he has the Josh Allen rushing upside. And uh, to be honest, like Josh Allen might be a ceiling because Josh Allen's playing terrific this year, a lot better than he was last year. But I liken him a little bit to Minshew for the fact that people are going to assume scenarios and assume things about him and not realize 87 touchdowns to 11 interceptions and that's why I compare him a little bit more to Minshew is that he's not as turnover prone as Allen had been in his past so that's why I say I agree with you I'm not starting in the first game but I, I call me crazy Brad if he has a really good game out of the gate like Herbert I might just plug him out there the next week because I do think he has QB1 upside given his rushing ability and his arm yeah, I, I mean, I could totally see that. And if he – I mean, he's going against the Rams defense in his first game. That's that's not the ideal matchup. He's got Aaron Donald breathing down his neck, you know, the whole – you know, potentially for a lot of the game. But hopefully they they control him. They do their best to protect him. And then after that, he's got the Cardinals. And it's a little bit – you know, the, the Cardinals defense, I know they looked really good on, on Monday night, but that's not a defense that scares me. And um, I, I feel like the schedule opens up quite a bit for him. He's got the Jets in the second half. He's got the Bengals in the second half. Like there are teams that he can go attack, and and um, I think they even got the Raiders maybe really late, and and so at that point, um, you know, yeah, there's going to be games where you can start him, I, I think for sure, and as long as he's not a complete, you know, a bust for a rookie season. So in Dynasty, are you treating this any differently with this news? Do you try to field offers if you're trying to win this year and sell high off the excitement, or? Uh, do you kind of do you sit and watch and hope he has a bad game and then try to buy low? Like how do, how would you treat it differently in dynasty if at all? Um, I probably wouldn't. I mean, a single quarterback league, I I like I have a hard time. There's so many other options out there that I have a hard time um, feeling like that this hype is going to help. Like you you probably drafted him in the in the third or fourth round to begin with. Um, now in a super flex league. I go get him period. Like I, like I get him before I even give him a chance to have a good game because right now there is, there is some, you know, some, some healthy skepticism about, is he healthy? You know, how good is he going to be? I think he's going to be really good long-term and I'm, I'm doing everything I can to acquire him before the, the stock starts to take off. Okay. Let's get to your team. I was originally going to start with your team, Brad, but the two and news happened. So your team makes a move that has everybody up in arms and be, mostly because nobody seems to know what to expect of this backfield now, your team being the Chiefs, of uh, what happens with Le'Veon Bell now in the fold. It sounds like he'll be out there for this week, the five days and the two negative COVID tests. Like, at worst case, he was going to potentially be out there for next week, but it sounds like this week's going to happen. The concerns, obviously, people have is, oh, no, that Clyde Edwards-Alaire just lose all his value. 
Uh, I think I, I think I saw you tweet it. I actually no, I I know I saw you tweet it. I'm gonna let you talk <laughs> about what you did with the offensive line because it had it, it it coupled in with the point about what seems to be funny to me is that Clyde Edwards-Alaire not getting touchdowns. He's kind of like somebody that you know back in the day, like a Matt Forte, like he has to do it. He's probably not doing it at the goal line, but people knew that Brad. And then they were making, you know, saying, all right, well, it's fine. He doesn't need to do that every single week because he's still great. And then the bell news happens, and they're like, oh, my God, he's not going to get any of the goal line touches. It's like, wait, you were just saying he doesn't score touchdowns anyway. So what are you making of this? Edwards Alaire, not an RB1 anymore. Le'Veon Bell, fantasy relevant at all. Like, how are you approaching this? Obviously, we're all making assumptions here, but this is your team. You've watched probably more than anybody that like the beat reporters that are even out there. So what do you think? <laughs> so I – I do think he's still an RB1, but I would, I would bump him down a little bit. He's going to lose some touches for sure, but I, I don't think he's going to lose the majority of the touches. I think this is a situation where, okay, Le'Veon Bell goes on the open market. Uh, the team sits down and examines and says, is he better than Edwards Hilaire? No, not at this point in his career. But is he better than Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson? Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So at that point, I mean, the, the Chiefs don't care one bit about your fantasy team. They want to win a Super Bowl again. Does this make their team better? Absolutely. So, and, it, and he only costs a, a million dollars, I think, with a million dollars in incentives. And at that point, like, yeah, jump, jump on board. And, and if Edwards Hilaire gets hurt, then you don't have to start Daryl Williams. Like, you can then start Lev Bell. Um, for the short term, like I said, I, he, he's had – Edwards Hilaire's had touchdowns called back the last two games for holding calls. And, and so he's still – he's found his way into the end zone. It just hadn't counted for, for the statistics – I'm not too nervous about him. Their offensive line, they, they changed centers last game, and it seemed to make a world of difference. And, and then, you know, just a handful of plays into the game, they lost Mitchell Schwartz, their right guard, to a back injury. And, I mean, it didn't lose a beat. And the, the, the one thing that I, I said at the very beginning, he had a monster game against the Texans to, to lead off the season. And he did most of his damage running left behind Coleccio Simile, the left guard, who was now out for the season. But they were running left, left, left. And then they got to the goal line inside the five, and they ran everything right, which was right at J.J. Watt and behind the weaker part of their, their running blocking. I, I didn't understand why, why the concept changed. When they've run left all season, they've been successful. And when they run right, it hasn't been as successful. And – on Monday night against Buffalo, they were running left quite a bit and, and just running behind, you know, even a backup left guard. Like I said, Osimile's out for the year now. It didn't matter. Austin Ryder was in there just road grating. They were pancaking guys right and left. You know, they had offensive linemen 10 yards downfield blocking on, on you know, toss plays to the side. It was, it was just a completely dominant performance. And I think they had been challenged on, on the week, you know, by the coaching staff and said, look, like you can't run against the Raiders. You got to be kidding me. We got no shot against the bills. You got to go prove us wrong. And then Edwards Hilaire, he hears all the talk. He's on Twitter. Like he understands what people are saying about bell. And I think he was running with a, a slightly different purpose on Monday night too. And saying, look, this is my backfield. Yeah. I, is bell going to make our team better? Sure. But he's going to, he's going to make our team better as a second running back. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, real quick, because I was going to ask you, because this is going to be a running back theme show. It, it, is Hartman ever going to be a thing? Is this just what we want to happen is just never going to happen? <laughs> I just don't. I mean, he's not he's not an ex receiver. And so when right. Sammy Watkins goes out for people to say, like, Hartman's going to be the guy to step in. If you watched any of their games before that, you knew that wasn't the case. He's not a guy who can get off of press coverage. And I feel I feel bad for the Chiefs in this sense, because I think the only reason they drafted him 
is because literally the night of the first round of the draft that year is when when the recording came out that Tyree Kill and his girlfriend, yeah. ex girlfriend, and stuff. And I f- I think all of a sudden the Chiefs panicked and they're like, we've got to we we don't know if we're even going to have Tyree Kill this season. And and because if you look at other receivers that were on the board, if you look at what the Chiefs actually needed at that time, if they were going to take a receiver, they did not need a, a second, you know, potential Tyree Kill. They could have really used DK Metcalf. And he was on the board. And, and but, <laughs> could you imagine? but just a big physical receiver, even if he's not as good as, as, you know, what he's turned out to be. And, but just the type of receiver he was coming out of college and a guy who could get off of press coverage that allows you to do so much more with Tyree kill. And they could have let Sammy Watkins walk after the, after last year and, and save some cap money the, I think they were pinned into that situation. And I I'm, I'm nervous about Hardman ever being a fantasy thing. I think he can be valuable to a, a, uh, to a, a football franchise, to an NFL franchise, but a lot of his, a lot of his plays, his touchdowns last year were on broken plays where Mahomes is scrambling yeah. and then he gets open. Like he wasn't getting open off the line. It was five seconds into the play and he's open and or or a fly route with broken coverage. You know where the the Raiders just completely leave him wide open in the middle of the field and Mahomes you know throws it sixty yards downfield and he's <laughs> there's no one within ten yards of him. That's the t- kind of touchdowns he was scoring. He wasn't like he was you know taking a, a wide receiver screen to the house. And, and so I'm, I'm a lot more nervous. Um, you know, I, I don't own him anywhere in a dynasty, if that tells you anything. And I love having chief players <laughs> on my team, but I don't own him in a, in a single league that I'm in. That should, that should tell everybody out there a lot, just in case you don't know. Like he, I want to double down on that for Brad there. So, all right, continuing back to the running back situation. This is potentially just a one or two week option. I keep saying two because in my mind, unless uh, here's the only way I don't, think that the they, they just this the, we're talking about the eagles the way that i don't see them playing boston scott two weeks and just keeping sanders out is if they somehow lose the game against the giants which i just don't think is going to happen because then you kind of treat next week as a must win quote unquote even though that division is an embarrassment but i say all that brad because the two weeks make sense if you're thinking of a health standpoint because they have the buy so essentially if you keep sanders out you get almost a full month of Sanders before his next game. And then, oh, look, you get the Giants after the bye again. What a nice surprise. So for that, let's, just, let's say best case scenario, it is two weeks for Boston Scott. We saw week one. We saw that it was meh without Miles Sanders. We saw Alexander Madison just this past week, who I think you'll agree and argue is a better talent than Boston Scott, but again, somebody who just isn't the level of who's in front of them. Do you even care about, but I, I hate to be that because I, I always go out there and say, don't thumb your nose up at running backs. Nobody can have too many running backs in fantasy. But at the same time, if it's going to cost you fab, if it's going to cost you a one, two, or three waiver priority spot, are you even going after Boston Scott? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and here's why. They, that last game was against the Ravens. They were trailing the entire game. And they, I, didn't have, I mean, Wentz had to throw like 40 times. And I think they only rushed maybe 16 or 18 times in the entire game. One of those was a uh, you know huge long run by Miles Sanders. The play got hurt on, but but other than that, they're you know they're they were not in a position to just run the ball at, at all that game. Their next two games are against the Giants and the Cowboys. I absolutely want any running back against those two teams. Giants are, are kind of a little more middle of the road, but give me the running back against the Cowboys for sure because they I mean they made Kenyon Drake look like an All Pro last well, week. And, and what if it's Corey it's, Clement? <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's the thing. Like you. Even if it is Corey Clement, though, Boston Scott will still have a role because Clement's not a pass catcher in that role. So I I want a guy who I know is going to have touches, and Clement is more of like a he might have touches. And 
I, I, yeah, give me Boston Scott for, if nothing else, for these two games. If my fantasy team's, you know, four and two, something like that, and I, I really want these two wins and, and get to six and two, I want a guy who has really good matchups coming up, and I know he's going to get touches. All right. So let's go to another running back situation in San Francisco. Is this as easy as copy-paste from previously and just Jarek McKinnon, whoever's next up behind him, and I say whoever's next up behind him, similar to Clement, as you just said, might get touches, might have some value. And if it's not Jeff Wilson, it's hasty. But if Jeff Wilson's healthy, it's Jeff Wilson. Or do you have, again, this is a good conversation for you, somebody who's going to be invested in Dynasty and is invested in rookies. Do you think hasty might have more upside than Jeff Wilson? Because I have a little bit of pause in the fact that if Jeff Wilson's healthy, hasty's too similar to McKinnon that I don't think they're going to use him in that short yard uh, and goal line type situation like you would with Wilson. That's my opinion. Yeah. That's, so, so Jeff Wilson's 195 pounds. Like that, that's not a guy who has any kind of a long-term bell cow type potential in him. The other guys, McKinnon and hasty are both like 205, 210 pound guys. Like the, that's somebody that you might be able to, to get 20 plus carries out of um, Wil- Wilson to me is somebody I would, I would completely avoid. Like, I don't even care if he's back. Like there, I, I, I haven't seen anything out of him of this year where I'm like, what's that? Just go upside with hasty. Yeah, I would. And, and, but what I'm looking to do at that point is to flip hasty. If I want, I want to grab hasty, hope he goes off this week and then do whatever I can to trade him. And the one, the one <laughs> way that could backfire is because McKinnon's a free agent. Tevin Coleman's a free agent. Um, I believe Raheem Mostert's a free agent. Like there is a possibility where if Hasty goes off, they just let him become the lead back next year. But you're talking about an undrafted free agent that's not super athletic, that's not, you know, prototypical big, big, you know, bell cow back size. I, if I can get value for him and you didn't pay anything to get him. I mean, he's a fourth rounder at, at worst in a, in a dynasty draft. I'm trying to flip him. If I can flip him for a second rounder in next year's draft with, with that loaded class, I'm doing it in a heartbeat. And if he turns out to be James Robinson and, and lasts, you know, a whole lot longer, I'll take the L on that one because I'm still going to get a good prospect coming out of it. But the odds are that he is a lot less than James Robinson. So I'm looking right now. Uh, yeah. So actually Mostert's the only one he's 2022 Coleman McKinnon, Wilson, and actually hasty technically because he came from the practice squad for now they're all out next year so there you go to your point yeah, for that and there's yeah they i mean that's that's a team that you could see you know there's a lot of good free agents there's a good running backs i could see them kind of doing a little turnover if they don't win a super bowl this year good god could you imagine if they got one of the running backs in next year's draft <laughs> because you, you know that you know they're gonna fall like they did this year and you might be able to get one of them in the second round even potentially the third holy crap that just would be yeah fair. and and the 49ers are at least to this point are not, you know, it's not like they're six and oh, you know, they're right. There's, you know, they, they're not drafting at the very end of the pick. round right now. Yeah. So it might be a middle of the round. Pick for in the years, round Brad, and... I think I might even said it to you and Chris when we were doing a show. I was like, how the hell are the 31 other teams not figured out how to stop Shanahan running backs? Like, and it's not <laughs> Kyle. It goes, I'm saying the Shanahan family, like what sure. do they know that nobody else knows how to make every damn running back good. So next running back situation, the LA chargers, so Austin Eckler, potentially out until fantasy playoffs, maybe a little bit earlier. But we have one game to go off of. Now, I want to ask you a question first. Don't go into the second part. Just first, I want to ask you this question. Okay. Before the game that they just had before the bye, before that game, were you ranking Kelly or Jackson higher for that one specific game? I, I would have had Kelly higher um, for that okay. one game. But I so wouldn't, that's where I would, it wouldn't I'm glad have been. You said that. They, they may have even been like back-to-back because – 
I, I feel like Jackson, we, I mentioned this before with Boston Scott, he had guaranteed touches um, in, in the game plan because he's the receiving back. And so at right. that point, and, and Justin Herbert has proven he's going to throw to the running backs, um, you know, a lot more than Tyrod Taylor was. So, so I wouldn't have had Jackson completely off the radar by any means. Yes, so that's, that's exactly how I had Kelly, and I think maybe four or five, five spots behind him I might have Jackson. He was very close, and what I was saying, this isn't a victory lap, it's the fact that I was saying, don't ignore Jackson on waivers. Everybody was going for Kelly. I was like, go pick. Jackson is a must-add because what I said, Brad, at the time was, what if they keep the offense the same and they keep Eckler's lead role the lead role because that's not Kelly, that's Jackson. And mm-hmm. coming into that game, it was about 50-50 to start. And then Jackson was outperforming him, outperforming him. Second half rolls around and it starts becoming Jackson. And then actually towards the end of the game, Kelly was barely getting on the field. And Jackson even got a third and one run yard, uh, run, rushing yards. So my question to you, is that one game enough for us as fantasy players to say, Jackson's clearly the lead. Jackson's a top 20 running back and Kelly is the backup. Kelly's role is now exactly what it was this entire time. Kelly hasn't changed, but Jackson's the guy, or is there still a chance that giving a game script that this could still flip the opposite way? Um, it's possible, but I, I don't see it flipping. And the, the primary reason is just based on experience. You've got a rookie quarterback back there that number one, you want to protect number two, you want to give him outlets anywhere he can. And, and, Jackson is a better pass protector as a running back. And he's also a better receiver as a running back. Not that Kelly can't receive. It's, it's not that he can't, but he's, I feel like he's just got a lot to learn. Like they, they thrust him in, in a situation that I don't think he was ready for. And I don't think they wanted to thrust him in, you know, even in week one to get 12 carries against Kansas city, I think was a lot more than they intended to use him. But I think they realize now they can't run Eckler all the time. Um, it's, right. it's, he's just not going to last. And so there's going to be some kind of a timeshare going forward. And Jackson seems to be the guy that, like you said, he fits right into the Eckler role and, and can do a lot more to help Justin Herbert than I think Joshua Kelly can right now. All right. So one more, and then a little fun segment before I get you out of here, the Baltimore <laughs> right back situation. So it's funny. I'm going to pull from Joe Dolan who uh, he put this tweet out yesterday and it was just yeah, out there it. for, so you saw So you know what I'm going to say. Yeah. If I told you by week six, JK Dobbins was going to be the lead in fantasy points for the Ravens backfield, where would you have drafted him? And people were saying second round, he said, I initially thought third, but I potentially could have even gone higher because we all assumed there was just value sitting in this backfield. We knew it. We just saw Mark Ingram run for double digit touchdowns because of this backfield. But the one thing, and I'm not going to say, you know, we missed wildly on this, but the, the truth about what Mark Ingram did last year, it wasn't exactly a ton of rushing yards. It was just rushing touchdowns. So when you're splitting with somebody else, let alone two, that's the problem right now. So we have it now new situation where Ingram tweaked his ankle. Supposedly they're saying mid to high and it shouldn't be that severe. So whether or not he's back after their buy, but JK Dobbins, we love as a talent. Oh, I say we, I don't know. I don't want to speak for you. You can chime in on that, but Gus Edwards has been productive is there an answer here to go for? Because for me, I'm still stashing and buying low on Dobbins everywhere I can just in case we can get down to two running backs and then potentially talent wins out. But I want to get your opinion because you might not have the same opinion on Dobbins. 
No, I, I do. I, I love Dobbins. I think long-term he's going to have a, a ton of value. But the issue for me with the Ravens' backfield this year is that Lamar Jackson has not been as efficient passing this year as he was last year. He doesn't have the massive touchdown rate. And, yes, they're winning games. They are running the ball some, and they're running it effectively. All these guys are over four yards of carry. I mean, Dobbins is over six yards of carry. Um, but even Edwards and Ingram are both four and a half a carry. It's not like they've sucked. There's just – it's not the same volume that, that we saw last year. And they're dividing it up very equally. Uh, uh, you know, Ingram and Edwards both have essentially 50 carries. M- Lamar Jackson has 50 carries and Dobbins has 25. Like there's after six games, there's not enough volume there for anybody to, to say like, yeah, you definitely plug this guy into your lineup because they're, they're averaging less than 10 carries a game. And at that point, like it feels like Lamar Jackson and, and Mark Andrews are the only fantasy options on this team where you can trust every week putting them in your lineup. And, and yeah, Andrews is going to throw up some zeros occasionally, but, but he's going to you know, win you some weeks also too. So um, I, it's, it's just so – now, if Ingram – let's say Ingram, it sounds like he's got kind of a mild high ankle sprain. They mentioned that he may be back after the bye week. If he's back – then your situation's muddled again. But if he's not back and it's down to Edwards and Dobbins, you might be able to play both of them at that point because Edwards is probably going to be the, the lead back and Dobbins is, is definitely going to be the receiving back. I mean, he's already got, you know, 14 targets and, and the other two guys have combined for eight. So, so Dobbins will have that role. They just don't throw to the running backs a ton. Um, it's, and, but we're, you know, we're starting to get into bye week season. There's a lot of running backs hurt across the league you know, if, if one of these guys is out and they're down to two backs, I think you're safe playing both of them. But if there's all three of them there, I'm probably avoiding the whole situation. Do you know, if you take out Lamar Jackson's rushing attempts, do you know that the Ravens actually are fifth worst in rushing attempts for their backfield? That's yeah, like, it wouldn't surprise me. Like it's, yeah, it's, they're, they're, it's they're all 181 Lamar. with them. They're 131 without them, which the, the giants are at 131. But when you take out Daniel Jones, they still slide further down, but just the ta- Texans, Jaguars and Seahawks are rushing the ball less than that backfield without Lamar Jackson. So that's just tough to swallow. Do you know, do you know without looking who has the most attempts in this backfield? And what the number is? Uh, I mean, I would guess Ingram, but that's it wouldn't it surprise he's me. Tied, but Edwards. he's tied with Lamar Jackson at 50. Yeah, that's, I mean, 50 carries in six games. You just can't, that's not enough volume to use unless he's scoring, you know, three touchdowns a week. That's just, it's so insane. All right. So before we get out of here, like I said, it was a little fun game. It's, you know, like I said, it wasn't going to be too much thought that you have to put into it. It's, I got to call it, it's trust fall. Everybody knows what a trust fall is. You know, you do the, you put your arms across your chest and fall back and somebody catches you. So I have three levels of trust fall because anybody who's ever done a trust fall, Brad, you know, there's that hesitancy in your mind. That's why it's a trust fall. Like, can I really trust this person? So the full-on bore, you get three options. Full-on, cross your arms, close your eyes. You're not thinking for a second you're going to fall back. The person is catching you. You're going to do the second one, which is that one where you kind of peek and almost do that half step before you fall, just in case you almost want to catch yourself. And then the third is you're not even stepping back. You're not even going backwards. There's no way on earth because you know you're going to hit the floor. So those are your three options. Okay. All right. So – with Justin Herbert, you doing full on trust fall? You gonna peak, or you're not even gonna take a step back? Are we going rest of season? Yes. Okay, rest of season. I'm I'm in the middle with Herbert because there are definitely going to be games where he's like going to struggle. Your like he's a rookie quarterback. <laughs> like yeah, like like I I have to. I'm not just throwing him in my lineup every week because, like I I mean he's he's way overperformed. He 
I will tell you this. He's overperformed what the Chargers thought he could be because if they thought he could be this quarterback, he would have been starting week one. And, <laughs> That's true. And they, they – but him, for him to be nine touchdowns, three interceptions, you know, almost 70% completion percentage – 1,200 yards in four games, and, and the first game he had no game planning. Like, it was just, hey, by the way, you're playing. And at that point, for him to do what he's done is he's playing over his head a little bit right now. Now, that being said, long term, I think he's going to be really good. Um, and I, I down the road, he's definitely a, a QB1. But I, I can't just say for sure that he's a QB1 the rest of the season. Okay, fair enough. I, I will say I thought he was going to have some Josh Allen inaccuracy issues coming out and – He's exceeded my expectations as well. All right. So we've been saying it. We've been saying, we've been saying, give DeAndre Swift a chance. And he kind of got a chance. He got a third of the snaps and did what DeAndre Swift can do with a third of the snaps. But it's Matt Patricia. It is this backfield. Would you full on trustful at this point after what we just saw? Would you kind of hesitate and look at the corner of your eye? Or you're not even thinking twice. Nope, I'm not even playing this game. Uh I'm probably going to be in the middle with him too. And I, but I, it's not about Swift. I love Swift as a talent. Long term, I think he's going to be good with whatever head coach is in there next year. But Matt Patricia <laughs> has to be gone for me to trust him. And, and it's because I just – I don't trust that he's going to completely go away from Adrian Peterson. Like he, he brought him in for a reason as a veteran back. We've known Swift has this upside. Like he, he showed us that at Georgia. For him to, to – you know, he got 14 carries because they were up by a whole lot. It was all, a lot of it was late or some of it was late. Some of it was early. He did get three goal line carries, which is the one thing that makes me think like, what if he becomes the goal line back and they try to give him that role? Cause we know Peterson can do it. He's done it his whole career, but what if they want to see what they have in Swift and all of a sudden he starts getting a touchdown a week at that point, it's going to be really hard for them to, to, you know, put the lid back on the can. So they're uh, I, I'm still hesitant with him because of the snap count. Like if, if he had 60, 70% snap count last week, I'd be all over this. Like he would potentially be a top five running back the rest of the season. Um, but we haven't seen that yet. And I'm, I've got to, I've got to see him get on the field a little bit more before I can throw him in my lineup. Okay. Uh, before I get to the next one, I'm going to add one more in here because speaking okay. of snap counts, how about Miles Gaskin? Because Miles Gaskin, I think the perception of this team is, you know, oh, it's the Dolphins and the running backs have been terrible for so long. But Jordan Howard's inactive. Brita's barely getting touches. Gaskin is just out there producing, producing, producing. Uh, I made a comparison earlier, and I said that you know, I brought up James Robinson and Miles Gaskin. And I said, if you said Leonard Fournette and put Leonard Fournette in either of those positions, doing what <laughs> they're doing, people would be like, oh, it's an RB1, not even a question. But because it's Gaskins, because it's James Robinson, there's concern. So I bring up Gaskin, and I wasn't originally, but now because I was the, the Tua situation kind of clouds this a little bit. Where would you go on Gaskin? Would this be another middle of the one where you're going to peak a little bit? No, I, I would full full on close my eyes and trust yeah. on Gaskin. I, I, I really like think he's yeah. I really think he's going to be good. He's um, now. Tua is, the, is literally the only thing that would give me any pause, but I'm not worried about it right now because I do think Tua is going to be pretty good. I, I don't know if he's going to be quite, you know, fits magic level, but I think he's going to be pretty good. And at that point, I, I want the running back in that offense. All right. So the next one, similar to Swift, we see D'Angelo – or D'Angelo. Wow, going to a completely different running back there. <laughs> Daryl Henderson, uh, for everybody out there that doesn't remember, do you remember D'Angelo Henderson? 
for the Broncos? Uh, yeah, like, lo- yeah, gosh. Little, did yeah, he ever play? Ex- <laughs> I, I, there was a little bit of excitement. I don't know if he – I think he played a few games. But anyway, all right. Daryl Henderson is who we were talking about. So similar Swift, and I say similar Swift because Swift before that Arizona game was getting the most of the snaps, even though it wasn't a lot of touches. He was getting the most snaps, and then he got five or six snaps in that game. We were just like, what the hell? And I say that because Henderson has this huge game, and then against the Giants, it's all of a sudden Malcolm Brown time. And we're all like, what the hell? But now – Henderson's back the last two games being the guy. Cam Akers' news last week was, oh, he's going to get a heavier load. Gets one snap, and now he's switched course completely. Sean McVay says that Akers still needs to learn a little bit more. So who the hell knows what's going on with Sean McVay? I can't imagine, Daryl Henderson, you're going to say you're doing a full-on blind trustful. No, but I'm, I'm also not avoiding him either because he's like – He's proven he can be effective. I mean, he had 100, 114 yards and a touchdown in, in week three and had another receiving touchdown that week. Like he's, it's, I mean, he's gotten touchdowns. It's not that, that the opportunity hasn't been there. So I, you know, four touchdowns in, I, I, I was wrong about the receiving touchdown. He got the receiving touchdown in week five, but four touchdowns in, in six weeks and, and, you know, two, three games over 80 yards. And the first, you know, first game, he really didn't even have a chance. Um, he was banged up a little bit in week four. Yeah, like I, I want him. I, I, I have no problem putting him in my lineup. I've got him in my lineup in a guillotine league right now that's, you know, down to 11 teams. And, and yeah, there's, there's guys on their free agent list who are still getting carries, but I'm just sticking with Henderson because I think he's going to be pretty good. Let me, let me switch this up on you here for a second. I'm going to do one of, if I told you standing behind you, it's Ronald Jones, Daryl Henderson. So standing behind you is either Bruce Arians or uh, the Sean McVay situation we just talked about, you have to blind trustful one of those two. Which would you pick? Ronald Jones. Okay. Um, and, and that's the biggest reason is because from the moment they signed Fournette, Arian said, Jones is our guy. And that hasn't wavered. He's lied to us before. He has, he has. But that has, we, in, in the five weeks since then, we haven't seen any wavering. And, and so at that point, I'm, I'm, I'm believing him. I'm, um, the offense is working well. Like they've, they've figured some things out the last couple of weeks. If they go and do a big shakeup right now, it could mess the chemistry up a little bit. And, and I don't think that's going to happen. Just, and, you know, barring an terrified. injury. I'm terrified of that. I, I would probably pick the same. Actually, I would pick the same, but I'm just still terrified of that one fumble where there's like, all of a sudden, oh, it's Leonard Fournette time. And then Leonard Fournette yeah. fumbles. It's like, oh, it's back to Ronald Jones time. <laughs> it's like the, the bill of check in him. All right. So three more, two wide receivers at a tight end before we get out of here. Christian Kirk off to a slow start. Some nagging injuries, supposedly. I don't say, I'm not saying he didn't have it. I'm just saying, like, it start, kind of feels like in the fantasy community, in the people who like Christian Kirk, the excuse has been like, he can't be healthy. He can't be healthy. Like, that's the excuse of his lack of production. But now he's producing. He's still the number two. But he's like vacuum target man, DeAndre Hopkins. And he did what? Three of two for two big plays and two touchdowns in the last game. So there's a lot to like what we've seen from Kirk for the last three games. He's back on the radar. But are you ready to put him in? I'll even say as a wide receiver four to get you a full on trust fall, or would you still be peaking? No, I, I, and I might even be the other way on this one. Oh, you and, might even not take the step back. You're yeah, just like, like I'm not I, playing this. <laughs> I'm just not. I'm not seeing what I thought I would see from him when he came out of A and M, and I, I thought he would be a way bigger target vacuum, you know, as a possession type receiver he can't beat Larry Fitzgerald out right now. Like Fitzgerald's still, you know, still on the field, still getting valuable targets. And that's, that's big, you know, big time concerning to me. Cause at this point in his career, he's a way better athlete than Fitzgerald. 
the the two catches he had on on Monday night were completely busted coverage where they saw something they had something on film and they were trying to exploit a weakness in the Dallas secondary and and they did it and Kyler hit those, those those throws but Kyler had nine completions on Monday night like yes they were in a really good game script but they're gonna be in a good game script you know at at times because of the way this offense can be and if that's the case, there's not like there's not enough volume there. There's barely enough volume for DeAndre Hopkins, and and <laughs> there wasn't on Monday night. So um, obviously, Kyle is going to be better than that most weeks. And but I, I just, I mean, I don't know what. It's just he's getting eighty one percent of the snaps, and and you feel like he should be doing a whole lot more with that than he is, and and it's just not there. Yeah. Uh, and mostly it comes down to just like Hopkins demands. So, and the fact that Kyler Murray's not throwing a ton. Kyler Murray's essentially last year's Tannehill is like throwing like 200 yards and three touchdowns every single yeah. game. Yeah. All right. So two more, here's the big one, Chase Claypool. And I'll throw this out. Just the, we see how people react in sports world, fantasy, whatever way you want to put it is just, I'm sure you remember this at the beginning of the season, Brad, three weeks in, Oh, Deontay Johnson's the number one. It's not Juju Smith Schuster anymore. And then Deontay gets hurt. And all of a sudden, Claypool does what he's doing. And, you know, whether or not – I also want you – tell me your opinion on Claypool before this year's draft because you and I didn't get to talk about that back for this year's draft because sure. we weren't doing the show anymore. So, uh, but Claypool has been the number one, but Deontay's potentially coming back this week. Does your concern go to Juju Smith-Schuster, who's now the number three, and you are full-on trust falling with Claypool, or – are you still worried that he might be three off the field at some points, depending on what their, their scheme or their plans are that week? No, I, I mean, he's out snapping Juju, even when Deontay Johnson is, is there or, or not there. I mean, so, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I Claypool's the number two here. Juju is the one that concerns me and I, I still like him long-term. It's not that I don't, but for the rest of this year, like if they take Claypool off the Free field agency. right now, yeah, he's a free agent after this year. He'll be with somebody else. Like, there's an opportunity for him to be kind of an Amari Cooper situation. Just get a new right. start, and all of a sudden, he can be relevant again. You want to know what my scenario was? Right now. My scenario was fire Gettleman, get the number one pick, get Trevor Lawrence, and bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. That's <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, There you go. It's possible. Yeah, trade, you know, and maybe you can get a, a second or third rounder for Daniel Jones. Who knows? I'm not giving the, that up. Get, it, get the hell out of so, But that, you know, like <laughs> – I Deontay Johnson is the one here to me and it's not close like I, I think he is extremely talented as a route runner he just has to stay healthy and if he had stayed healthy I still think we might have seen uh, you know Claypool eating into Juju snaps a little bit but we would not have seen a four touchdown game from Claypool um, right. and we probably never will again let's be honest that being said <laughs> I, I did like Claypool a little bit out of out of uh college but i thought he was more raw than he is he's he is a way more developed runner route runner um even runner of the ball when the ball's in his hands and they're you know they're giving him jet sweeps and stuff like that's something i did not expect to see out of him i thought he was a lot more of a straight line guy and he's shown me a lot um you know just from a a dynamic standpoint so i yeah i i like him i think he's he's probably in my mind probably like a low-end wide receiver three in dynasty going forward and there's a ton of upside there too because he's a good enough athlete to to you know exceed that as he grows all right so last one started off slow this year wasn't barely involved at all and has picked it up over the last couple games starting to get back involved and consistently involved and that's austin hooper who you know i'll admit for even if he continues this pace I was off 
on Hooper. I expected a little bit too much. I thought he was going to come in as the quote-unquote number three wide receiver because Rashad Higgins and the rest of them, like that's what they brought him in there for. Hey, we've seen what he can do with the Falcons. Why not sign him to this contract and have him do that for us? No, let's ask him to block a ton. Let's spend all that money for a blocking tight end. They were running out in Joker early, and Joker got hurt. Uh, you, we've seen um, Bryant mixed in a little bit. But Hooper, again, he's picking up of late. Are you ready to do a half trust fall? I'm assuming you're not doing a full on trust fall or, or do you think this is just a temporary matchup situation? And this isn't going to continue. I, I think it's a temporary matchup situation, but it's not because of, you know, tight end matchups. It's because Nick Chubb's gone. That to me is when everything changed for Hooper. They had to change their Fair. scheme a little bit because they don't want to run Dearness Johnson, you know, 15 times a game to take Chubb's role. So I, I think they, they've shifted their offense a little bit. When Chubb comes back, I, I think like, let's be honest, Baker sucks right now. And I don't know that, <laughs> I don't know that he's going to get out of this. Fair I mean, he, yeah, it's, it's, I know they won some games, but they won some games. I feel like they were pretty fortunate to win and they, they won those games against Cincinnati, Washington and Dallas who, you know, they ran for over 300 yards against Dallas. It wasn't all Baker. Um, the Colts game was the one where I was like, you know what? Baker actually played really well today. And, and then they go play Pittsburgh and it's like, he doesn't even belong on the same field. It's, it's, you would have thought it might've been his first game in the NFL. So I, <clears throat> I'm nervous about Hooper. Um, not that he can't be relevant because tight ends a wasteland anyways. If you don't have, you know, Kelsey or Waller or Mark Andrews, like, or Kittle, you're, you don't trust anybody. Like it's, you just never know who's going to get the touchdowns that week. And I don't think their offense is good enough right now without Chubb to, to trust Hooper in, in my lineup every week. And when Chubb comes back, I definitely wouldn't put him in my lineup. Okay. Certainly, I, I don't disagree with you much there. By the way, 20 games in the history of the NFL with four receiving touchdowns. So, yeah, the, the likelihood of that happening the second time <laughs> for the same player. I don't know if it's been the same player twice, but in any case, Brad, uh, you know, go enjoy your tennis lesson today, which, you know, like, I, this sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like it's a lot better than I ever was at it for my one attempt. But at yeah, Brad Ziegler, it. if you want to get you – know, look, you guys should be following him, if you can't tell, for his dynasty knowledge alone, but his good football insights. If you're a Chiefs fan, uh, you, uh, he'll engage you for that for sure. I'll promise you that, right, Brad? You're going to promise yeah, absolutely. every Chiefs I'll fan. I'll engage on anything on Twitter. I'm not <laughs> afraid. Chiefs. But uh, I appreciate you coming back, and I'm hoping that everybody enjoyed that we were back together for first time in a while. And uh, I'll be back next week. And as always, oh, yeah, the Athletic $1 a month to subscribe right now, which is just insane. So if you're not doing that, you're not. And if you're not following Brad, you're nuts. Uh, thanks again, Brad. You bet. Have a good one, Jake.